Welcome to my podcast, Only Girl on the Job Site. I'm Renee Beery, an interior designer with a passion for managing construction projects, large and small. My mission is to empower women, both homeowners and interior designers, to manage renovation projects like a pro. My goal in sharing my knowledge and experience from working in the field for the past 29 years will allow you to avoid the mistakes I have seen and go into projects confident and knowledgeable about the industry so that your projects will be as smooth and as successful as possible. So last week in episode 86, I went into great detail on how designers can get experience doing renovation management, whether it is working for other firms, whether it is to start small by working with realtors, whether it is doing work at your own home. It was a very comprehensive discussion about building that experience. And if you haven't heard that, I do recommend you go listen to episode 86 first, because this episode is based on all of the feedback that I heard from listeners as far as their experiences, basically the bumps, trials, and tribulations that they have gone through building their experience. And I want to break out some of the common themes that I heard from so many of the designers so that you can learn, hopefully, from their mistakes, just like you learn from mine through these episodes. So let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm glad you're here. Like you just heard, today's episode is really based on the feedback I received from last week's episode number 86 on how to get experience in the business of renovation management. So I know I've said this before, but I really do enjoy hearing from all of you. And for those who thought about reaching out but just didn't want to bother me, please go ahead and reach out. You are not bothering me. And frankly, I enjoy these conversations. Well, one, because now we're all going to learn from the information that was shared with me this past week. We're going to learn from other people's issues and concerns and sadly, mistakes along the way. And hopefully we can all avoid some of those in our own professional lives. And I believe that we are building a community that really wants to lift up the interior design industry, which is truly my largest goal for creating this safe space to discuss all things renovation management. The other piece is I want to make sure those of you listening are also receiving the emails I send out. If you are not on my email list, I highly recommend you go on my website and sign up for the weekly emails. Now, I promise you I will not spam you. I don't have time for anything like that. I certainly don't enjoy getting them. But what I do is I send out two emails, one about this podcast and the other on Fridays. I send an email to designers specific to our industry, whether it's a topic that's coming up, whether it's a topic that I just experienced that week, whether it's a bigger topic that we need to continually discuss, whether it's pricing, whether it's scope creep, everything in between. It's a really wonderful email and I get such great feedback from that one email. And often that's where our conversations get started. So please, I highly recommend you go on my website and sign up for the emails, but make sure you click the box that says professional so that you're getting the right information. As I do send other emails out to homeowners who are also signed up for ongoing content from me. 
So today, let's get started. Okay, I heard from a bunch of designers this week. I clearly struck a nerve and sadly probably reminded people of some pretty poor experiences they learned along the way. And I found that they fell into almost three kind of categories that I think are really important to discuss on a deeper level and and how to try to avoid some of these issues, some minor and unfortunately some pretty major that I heard about. Okay, so the first sort of overall category I heard about was not being treated respectfully on job sites. Some said, oh, Renee, it really resonated when you say that you've been called little lady. Or some said that they felt just dismissed. And some said they were just flat out treated poorly. So these are real interactions that designers have with contractors, whether they are the GC on the job, whether they are the subcontractor, or sadly, both. And I'll be honest, I have these same experiences from time to time, even after all of these years. So each story that was told to me had different endings. Each designer handled it in a different way. And that is going to be the case. You are going to have to basically take the temperature of what the situation is that you're experiencing and go from there. But in general, my personal experience with behavior like this is to stay calm. They are obviously insecure about you being on the site. They may see you as a hindrance. They may see you as someone they have to manage. They may see you as, quite frankly, just a pain in the ass, and they may want you off their site. So let's look at this from two aspects. One, how do you prevent being treated this way? And the second is, once you're treated this way, how do you handle it? Okay, so let's talk about prevention. And there are active steps you can be taking to prevent being treated like this. The first is quite simple. Dress appropriately. Now, I'm sure I'll be hearing from some of you about having issues with being told what to wear. But the reality is you are walking on a job site. You are walking on a construction site and wearing, okay, it's August, a sundress and sandals onto an active construction site is inappropriate. There, I've said it. I know you see photos in magazines of designers in sundresses and sandals on construction sites. And I am really hopeful that it was just mocked up for that photo because that is not an appropriate attire for a job site. And here's why. Okay, so if I'm in sandals and there's nails on the floor, it is entirely possible that that nail will go through my sandal. Now, don't freak out. I am not telling you to go out and buy steel-tipped boots, because I certainly have never needed anything like that. But I am always in footwear that covers my toes, that covers my foot. I don't wear slides. I don't wear anything that would put me in a compromising position because you never know what you're going to be asked to do when you get to that job site. It may be that you need to go up on a ladder to go look at something. Now, if I'm in slides, that's not safe. And frankly, a contractor may say, you can't go up on that ladder. And that is his right to do because he is the one that's covering the liability of that project. So don't be that liability. Go dressed appropriately. Now, again, with a skirt or a dress, 
I love wearing skirts and dresses, but when I go onto a job site, I'm in pants. And lately, I'll be honest, I'm wearing jeans these days because I got sick of my beautiful black pants constantly getting filthy. And to be honest, it also drew attention to myself when I got drywall dust all over me. Now, don't get me wrong. My black pants can be thrown in the washing machine. And obviously, that's intentional. I don't want to dry clean pants that I'm going to be wearing on a construction site. But it made me stand out on a job site. The guys were like, ooh, 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 hey, sorry, Renee, but ooh, gosh, the back of you is covered in drywall dust. And I'd say, oh, it's no big deal. And I'd sort of brush it off. But it made me look different than the rest of the guys. And you know what? When I'm wearing jeans, they might say something about the drywall dust, but more often than not, they don't because they're wearing jeans as well right? So you want to be a team member, you need to dress appropriately. Now, I can already hear the thoughts, and I'm probably going to get a few emails that really push back on this issue. And I get it. And of course, you can wear whatever you want, but know that it will set you apart from the rest of the team. And I don't believe that should be your goal. My goal for each of you is to blend with the team, have your own skill set, knowledge, and expertise, but be a team member and not something kind of special that they're going to have to manage or be careful about or look out for when you're on the site. That gets distracting and it gets in the way of the purpose of the meeting. Okay, so that's a little bit of a rant, but it is something I see designers do wrong more than they should. And to me, it's a really simple one to fix. And the second thing you can do to prevent being dismissed or looked down upon or ignored is to be prepared. Now, it's nearly impossible to be prepared for everything in every meeting, right? It just meetings ebb and flow and things come up along the way. But if you know your meeting is an electrical walkthrough and you don't have the specifications for the sconces, or you haven't done the research on the type of recessed light that you want in the ceiling, or it's a bathroom and you haven't done the research on the type of vent you want, whether you want bells and whistles in it and humidity controls and timers, night lights, then you are not prepared for this meeting and they will likely not take you as seriously. So do the research. You are a part of this team. Your client has hired you to be managing the project smoothly. And the only way to do that successfully is to come prepared to meetings. Now, so what happens? You get to this electrical meeting and all of a sudden the plumber has a question and you didn't do the research on the plumbing because this was set to be an electrical meeting. That happens. You're going to have to roll with it. But it would also be okay to say, hey, you know what? I don't have that answer. We were meant to do the electrical today. Let me look into it and I'll get back to you tomorrow. But if you say that, then you better get back to them tomorrow. Because I also hear the guys complain about designers that hold up projects because it takes them two weeks to get them an answer. Now, in the decorating side of our business, two weeks is not a huge deal. In a construction project, two weeks is basically a stranglehold on a project and can seriously compromise not only the budget, the schedule, everything. It really is perhaps half the length of the project. So you need to do the research for the meeting that you have scheduled with the team, but then follow through on anything you promised in that meeting as you promised it. That way, they see you as someone who's trying to help them, someone who is adding value to their own work, 
right? I mean, if you come prepared for the electrical meeting, that meeting goes smooth as silk. The electrician walks away knowing exactly what they're going to do next and says to himself, hey, that was pretty great. And will most likely treat you as a team member. So God forbid in the future, if there is a whoops and you created the whoops, he might do you a favor, help you out a little. Who knows what that may be? But that is how you create the rapport that is critical on a smooth and successful running project. Okay, so that's preventing being treated that way. And quite frankly, what I do for each and every meeting. But that does not prevent me from being little ladied along the way. And honestly, it did happen about a month ago. And it was a glancing blow. Don't get me wrong. It was not this horrendous situation but it does still happen. And what I've said in the past and what I'm going to advise you now, if you haven't listened to past episodes where I've talked about this, you need to evaluate the person doing it. And I mean, in a split second, you need to evaluate, is this guy being old fashioned, old school? He's an older gentleman and maybe he means it in a nice way, slightly obviously demeaning, but not necessarily in a derogatory way. Or is this guy completely cutting you off at the knees, trying to be an ass and put you in your place, right? There's pretty much those two avenues. So let's go with the first guy, because I do come across older gentlemen who have been doing this business for decades before me, probably have grandchildren my age. When they little lady me or hun or sweetie or dear, I quickly evaluate and I think, okay, this guy probably talks to a lot of people this way. He's not meaning it in a demeaning way to me. He isn't accustomed to seeing women on a job site. Be aware that women are not typically on job sites, which is what we're trying to change. So I usually turn it around and say, if they call me little lady, I'll say something to the effect of, ah. I love that you call me a lady. I'm not so little anymore, but you know, I miss those days. You know, just make something light of it, make a point, and then move on. He does it again, then that's another issue. That tips into the scales of the guy who's being a jerk. Now, I have come across those guys, and there's two ways you can handle them. You can stand your ground, tell them that they're being offensive, and ask them to stop. You can also go with kind of a softer approach. And say, hey, that's great, but I'm here because my client hired me. I'd really like to be here to support you and the rest of the team. How can we get to that point? Right? You need to stand your ground enough. I personally don't go with the first option because I'm not looking for enemies. One, because projects last for months on end, and I don't want to dread going to this project every day because that guy is going to be there and we sort of have this standoff going. The other is, It just moves the ball forward. And that to me is the ultimate goal on any project. So if the guy's being a jerk, says something demeaning like, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. I've heard that before. Or I'm going to ask someone in the showroom because I don't think you did your research. I've heard that before. You know, things of that nature that completely throw you under the bus. That's when you stand your ground. And I personally take the softer approach of saying, I did my research. Happily, go back to that showroom. I'd love to hear if there is another option because I wasn't told about them, right? That's something that is completely understandable and possibly happened, right? Because the information you have is only as good as the information you received. 
So there are ways to handling these guys on the sites in a way that is both professional yet firm. And that is what I want your goal to be each time. Okay, so let's put that aside. And truthfully, it doesn't happen that often. And I hope it's not happening to many of you listening because it is a miserable experience. And again, like I said, you have to go back the next day or you know, two days later and deal with these same people again. And that can cause all sorts of stress and angst and not something that's good for you as a designer in your workplace, because that is your workplace or for the project itself. Okay. So the next sort of grouping I heard of issues that designers had on projects were big mistakes that they made, and that ended up being costly mistakes. Not all of them were costly, but they were mistakes, and that can lead to costly issues. So what do I mean by that? Well, I heard from one woman, she said, you know, I was learning as I went on this first job. I didn't really know what I was doing, and I made major mistakes. I didn't go through the tile and I didn't realize that marble has a lot of coloring variations and it ended up looking pretty awful on the floor once installed. There's the problem, once installed, right? She said the client wasn't happy. They started having to remove certain tiles. They were breaking as they were removing them. It turned into apparently a very large mess that she had to pay for because it wasn't the installer's fault, because the installer wasn't given any specific directions. And sadly, a tile installer, while they should go through the box and keep an eye on where things are heading as far as movement in natural stone, they don't always do that. And you certainly shouldn't assume that they will. And trust me, movement in any natural stone is subjective. What I like, you may not like. And what you like, your client may hate. So you need to be extremely specific. And this woman learned a very expensive lesson, several thousand dollars worth of a lesson. But here's the other problem. That problem could get amplified along the way. Okay. So who saw this problem? Obviously, the client saw this problem because stuff had to be removed and then put back in. She had to buy more material. It wasn't from the same lot. She got lucky, she said, but it was just a complete mess. And it can turn into that very quickly. So the client is probably wondering if this designer was a good fit for the project. Were they a little too new to be trusted with this expensive installation, right? So that's a problem. That client might be hesitant to tell their friends about this designer and refer her to another project. This was a small contractor, you know, one of those mid-size I talk about, not a huge firm, but the contractor saw that. Now the contractor didn't have to eat any of the money that was spent to replace all this, but he too saw that this designer missed something that probably shouldn't have been missed if they'd had a little more experience and will likely not think of them for the next project. Therefore, we're losing work, right? We're losing pipeline work by this one mistake. And then, of course, there's the obvious. There's the expense that this designer had to fork over in order to fix this mistake. And so she said her profits on this project were pretty much cut in half right? And that is a massive problem because not only has she cut her profit in half, she has shut down some incredible marketing opportunities had the project gone smoothly. And so who knows what future earnings she also just lost. 
So these are the kinds of mistakes that I see designers making because they want to learn on the jobs as they go. Now, if you listen to last week's episode, you know that I said that that is a way to gain experience. But now you need to hear that there are costs involved, whether it is literally out of your pocket or future work costs that are involved by learning on this job and sadly making mistakes. So that was another round of a couple of designers. One had a problem with a deck that they installed and they didn't have any knowledge on decks and it had to be ripped out and replaced. Same deal as the tile, right? Money out of the designer's pocket. The people involved in the project, including the client, saw that the designer made a massive mistake. And I can pretty much guess that there were no referrals based on that one project. Now, if you're only doing a couple of projects at a time, you really can't afford to be losing referrals from those projects, let alone the cash right out of your pocket. So those are issues that need to be monitored very carefully. So if you're saying to yourself, okay, well, then what do I do? Okay, if you don't have experience with decks, you need to get experience with decks. You need to go to a building supply. And I don't mean a big box store because those are not experts in their field. You need to go to a local building supply company and you need to get practical experience. Now, if you have a contractor on the job, you're going to have to lean on that contractor. Be honest. It is okay for you not to be an expert in every aspect of a project. I've said this before. A plumber has to be an expert in plumbing. An electrician has to be an expert in electrical work. A carpenter has to be an expert in carpentry and on and on. But a designer, somehow we are expected to be an expert in all of those fields all at one time. And while I will tell you, I have a lot of knowledge in each of those areas, I would never say I'm an expert in any of them, let alone all of them. It's just simply impossible. So you need to swallow the pride if that's what's getting in your way and ask for help. Not only will you show that you are capable of asking for help, which we all know is a good quality in life, you will probably learn so much more than if you just sort of band-aided it together or did a Google search or looked at a YouTube video. And the contractor will say to himself, hopefully, hey, you know what? She's willing to ask me for help so that there isn't a situation on a project that one has to get ripped out or get screwed up or the client is mad because that doesn't reflect well on the contractor, even if he has nothing to do with the mistake, right? Projects get delayed or prolonged. Everybody's reputation sort of gets sullied in there together. So everybody benefits from a project going smoothly. So please, if there is an area that you aren't familiar with, please ask. Ask either a contractor that's involved in the project or go source out a building supply or a tile store or a paint store, whatever it is you're dealing with, go find the answers you need before you stand on a job site and give advice as if you know more than you do, okay? That's how you're going to get the experience. And then lastly, I heard from several people who frankly took on too many projects, too big, all at one time. I am going to tell you that managing a renovation project of a medium to large size is a lot of work. There are a ton of moving parts and pieces throughout the entire project. 
it's a lot to manage. It's a lot to stay on top of, and it's a lot to get it all right each time. Is it impossible to do? Absolutely not. But if you are not confident in your skills, you are taking on too much too soon. And I know some people say, well, I'm just going to white knuckle my way through it. I think I know enough. My advice is to stack these projects. Don't turn them down, but stack them so that you are not trying to do three projects all at the same time in different areas of the home, right? So if you're managing a kitchen full gut at one house and you're managing a small addition family room with a fireplace and a powder room in another, and you're managing three bathroom guts in a third, you are all over the board as far as the sources and the trades that you are using. Everything from appliances for the kitchen to plumbing for the bathrooms to fireplaces and inserts and chimneys and masons. It is a lot. And each designer that reached out to me admitted that they had taken on too much, too soon. So again, don't say no to the projects, but stack them. Try to get your feet wet and firmly under you with the first project before you start the second. They may overlap a little, but don't have them all starting at the same time and you trying to manage it all while learning, while doing this research, while trying to prevent people from dismissing you, while trying to stand up for yourself. It is a lot all at once. And while I am 100% certain that everyone listening to me can manage this, I just don't want you to bite off so much in the beginning that you screw your shots of getting the referrals that you're going to need to move forward with next projects. So like I just said in the other examples, your contractors, the architects, if there's an architect involved in that addition, That architect, quite frankly, is checking you out. Who is this person? How can they add value to my work? Can they make my life easier? And if so, I'm going to put them on the next project of the same size, scope, scale, what have you. If that doesn't come true, they're definitely thinking the opposite. This designer is a pain in the ass. This designer didn't know what they were doing. This designer screwed up the project, and I'm not going to work with this designer again. You tell me which scenario you want to be a part of. So it is really important for you to be learning as you go, but learning in a logical and informed way and not just brazenly taking on projects saying, I'll figure it out as I go. You may get lucky, but as I tell everyone in my orbit, luck runs out. You are better off coming with knowledge, skills, best practices than you are leaning on luck, but it is entirely possible. And I'm the first to tell you, I want to encourage you to do it. I don't want this episode to freak anyone out or scare anyone off from renovation management. I wanted to temper the designer's expectations. I want you to see that you are human. I want you to see that this is a new avenue for most of you listening. And for those of you who've been doing it for a little while with small projects, fine. You're the one that can start stacking the projects going forward. But again, stack them in a way that you can realistically manage the work because you've done a few. You know the amount of work that goes into different stages of the project. And that's when you can start 
realistically and successfully adding more projects onto your workload and still coming out in the end with happy clients and frankly, happy trades that will want to work with you again. And that is what you all want. So like I said in the beginning, I strongly recommend you getting on my email list. I talk more about specific topics like this on the Friday emails I send out. And it's something that I think you would find valuable to get in addition to these podcast episodes. So you can find that sign up on my website. Just make sure that you mark the box that tells me that you're a professional because I have other content that goes out to non-professionals who are also crazy enough to want to know more about renovation management. So as always, and just like last week, this one may also produce a whole lot of questions and a whole lot of comments. Shoot them my way. I am happy to discuss this further. I'm happy to get into the weeds with you about the specifics of your project that's going south. Or frankly, I'd like to hear some wins too, because I know they're out there. I know you guys are having wins on projects, even if they're small ones. That is something to celebrate because then you can build on that to get more wins and hopefully bigger wins each time. So I can't thank you enough for your time today. And I look forward to our next time together because it's going to be an exciting interview. I hinted at it two weeks ago in episode 85, I think. I don't want to spoil it, but it is about photographing your work and something that every designer needs to do more of. So I'm really excited for next week. I can't wait to share my friend with you and all of her expertise. But until then, I thank you for your time today. Thank you for listening today and feel free to join me on social media at Davinia Design in order to stay up to date on the latest happenings in my construction world. There is more detailed information on my website for my signature courses for both homeowners and designers, as well as other material to help guide you through a successful renovation project. Make sure to follow my podcast so that you get notifications of new episodes so you don't miss a tip. If you enjoyed this episode, spread the word, leave a review and tell your friends who are starting or are mid project. And thank you again for listening today.